Hello, Stormy Brad. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. I am going to get myself off the screen so I don't spend my whole time staring at myself. <laughs> I don't know if I you like ever, it. I don't know if you ever catch yourself doing that. You're thinking, oh my gosh, does my hair look okay? Is what I do is I put a word document, like I make like a word document, go on my face. So that way I just look at you. That's a good idea. Is that weird? I don't know. I just do that because usually I'm making notes at the same time. So anyway, that's, that's what I do. Use my face as the notes and then <laughs> that way I'm not like, you know. So what's your morning been like so far? Um, not too bad. My kids are here today. Um, so they're watching the new boss baby in uh, the conference room across from me. And um, I am just, I guess I got to work 20 minutes ago. Normally I get to work at seven, but my kids have had summer camp all week. And so we've been getting up at five in the morning to drive two hours to camp. And then we would get home at eight o'clock at night. And so we're all a little bit tired (laughs) this week. So we are, we slept in this morning and just now got here. I can imagine that's sort of wearing you out uh, for sure. Um, and I, from what I can gather, your situation is relatively similar to mine as far as the town size. I think y'all are about a 25,000 population. Right. So Tifton's about mm-hmm. that same size, although you guys are way more secluded than we are. Um, our nearest, I would say, 100,000 plus community is about 45 minutes away. Y'all are probably a fair amount further than that, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what what Midland's population is. For some reason, I thought it was in the 80s. Um, so that's like the next closest town, and that's 55, 60 miles. Okay. But like Dallas, Austin, those are four and five hours away. Right. So. Yeah. So, I mean, so like that's kind of how it is here in South Georgia, too. I mean, our biggest communities are two and a half, three hours away. So, you know, it's not like it's right around the corner to go anywhere, although I don't mind that. You know, it's kind of funny, though. You, you probably have noticed this. The people in the big cities, um, if they have to drive 45 minutes, the first thing they say is, do you know how far I had to drive to get to this meeting today? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even like, well, for me, it was 105 miles, the, the two, this two-hour drive, or it was really – I drove like 85, so it really went pretty fast. But, um, I mean, yeah, 105 miles, and then it's like another 10 or 12 miles to the school. And so, uh, yeah, it was an adventure. We The the great thing is, is like they have a Krispy Kreme donut. Oh, Do you know what Krispy Kreme donuts yes. are? Yes. And you go, and they're making them. My kids were so amazed every day. Like they just like make the donuts, and you get hot donuts. Uh, from what I've understood, there's something really cool you can do. You can actually get the donuts if you catch them before they go through the, the I mean, I know you, the yeah. cream is the best, but if you can get it before, they say it's really neat to get it without the cream on it because you get to have um, that sort of okay. just that bread yeasty experience. It's kind of like having a really hot roll. Uh-huh. Oh, I bet it's good. Well, it was, they were delicious no matter what. We got little mini ones and then we got the regular size ones. And I brought three dozen home and my kids have already eaten them all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. They're like, these are the best. And I'm like, are they really that much better? You know, like you taste them and you try to evaluate if it's as good as a regular donut. 
and they are better, but I think it was just, they got to see the entire process is yes. what kind of yes. made them love them more. So we would go, we would get there um, the Krispy Kreme was like a block away from where the school was, where their camp was. So we would get there like 20 minutes early, go to Krispy Kreme, get donuts and milk. And then I'd take him to the school to let him invent things. That's he awesome. went to invent things. So that's, uh, that's how my week has been. But um, I feel good today. I'm glad it's Friday. I'd have been really sad if it was like a Wednesday or Thursday this week because it's been a long week. So I'm glad it's Friday. And um, I really only have this. I have to print two checks for some subcontractors. And then um, that's it. Like we're trying to design a portal, a customer portal for our uh, for Bulldog My Business. So like if you're a contractor, like we can you you can like order your sheets and order your stuff whenever you get a chance. Like you can order it from your phone. Um, so I have that um, at, it looks like 11 o'clock today. So those are y'all are you and that are my only two meetings today. And I print two checks and then I get to go home for the day. That's so I'm kinda, I got a t-shirt on and I'm like, well, it'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of similar to me. I've got a very similar situation in that I've got this interview with you, and then I'm going to uh, do one with Lisa Marker Robbins. I don't know if you know her or not. She's also a business accelerator client. And so I'm interviewing her at 1 o'clock today, and I went ahead and got kind of quote-unquote dressed up because later in the afternoon, my wife and I are going to drive up to Macon, which is about an hour and a half away from here, and go to a concert. Uh, it was a comedy concert. This lady's name is Leanne Morgan. I, I've never heard her. My wife thinks she's hysterical. So I said, great, let's, I need a good laugh. That'll be wonderful. So we're going to go to this concert. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, we're really tickled about it. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to, uh, as you know, the mic's already been rolling. I, I'll use a lot of this stuff in sort of maybe in some intro and maybe some lead out or something silly at the very end. Um, but what I'll do is I'll introduce us and the actual what we're going to get into. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about how you decided to, how you guys decided to take your business from one business to two businesses and mm-hmm. what that was like. Um, I'll, we'll get in some other things, probably somewhere along the way, we're going to take a left turn and end up in Albuquerque and uh, it'll be completely, no, nothing will be planned after we make the left turn. It'll be great. We'll have a blast. It'll be a lot of fun, though. All right. You know I announced my candidacy for state senate. Yes. Yeah, we're going to get into that, too. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us.
episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice, not fear of the disease associations with myopia, is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy, the host, and I have with me today a force of nature, Stormy Bradley. You probably have never heard that before, I'm sure, Stormy. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I think you guys are really going to get a, a lot out of this. Stormy is in West Texas in a town called Big Spring, Texas. She is the president of Bulldog Steel and also the CEO for Metal Solutions, and we're going to get into that as to why she decided to that one business wasn't good enough. She had to have two. Um, the other thing that we're going to talk about today is her family and things, and uh, she has uh, a husband, Tyler, and two young boys, and uh, I also have two boys. One thing I think you have a lot in common with my wife is there just aren't any other Y chromosomes anywhere in her life much, so it kind of makes it a little challenging. So, uh, Stormy, welcome to the podcast with us today. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about talking with you today about adventures in life and business. Yes, yes. And uh, so tell me a little bit, I guess, your origin story. How did you get here? Um, so my husband grew up in construction. His dad had a roofing company. And um, I met my husband at a college concert in San Angelo, Texas. And we started dating and he's like, why are you going to college? I wanted to be an attorney. He's like, why are you going to college to get into debt? You need to do something and like a trade school or something along that line to, you know, make money and then, and then go back to school. So you're not going into debt. Um, so I moved in with him and started nursing school. Um, and then I, uh, to pay for nursing school, we started doing construction on the nights and weekends. We would build an awning or a carport or a little shop. And, um, I had been working for a CPA when I moved here, like kind of nursing school and prereqs and working for a CPA here in town. Um, and so I had been talking to him about that and he was like, why don't we incorporate you just to protect you? And I'm like, Okay. Well, that was the switch that flipped in me because because now I'm official. It's not a side hustle. We we are incorporated and we have a tax return and we have, you know, you need to make money now. So um, we bought a tractor and bought a forklift and hired some extra help. And um, we started that in 2009. We incorporated and it has just 
literally organically, not not crazy, not like a stick of dynamite, but sometimes it feels like that. It organically has grown into this this beast of a business now. And so um, in 2016, we were consuming about $400,000 a month in steel. And um, we decided that we're going to have to do something. I mean, this is cutting into our margins. Um, at the time, I think we were making like, 8% net margin. Um, and we were like, there's, there's gotta be a better way. Well, what's the best fastest way Buy wholesale. Um, so we had a big shop and we were buying everything wholesale and people are, it's 95 miles, 120 miles to the nearest steel stores. So um, they were driving on the road and would, I guess would, just be peering out their window and see our steel exit come around. And they're like, can I buy that Perlin? Can I buy that beam? And then when they get there and they pull around, I have to do a whole bunch of math because I didn't have any software to help me with inventory because we were just using it for our own consumption. Right. And so they pull around and they'd see that we made our own sheet metal, which your listeners don't see the screen behind me, but uh, you know, like this is the sheet metal that I make and trim. Um, I think probably people have seen steel yards and shops and things like that. And they've probably so they seen steel span buildings and things like that too. So especially. Yeah. So they, they probably have an idea. Um, but anyway, so they're like, what you make your own sheets too. And some little old man that I, Truly adore. He still shops in here twice a week. I love him. My very first Bulldog Steel customer. He spouted off. He's like, you're sitting on a gold mine. You need to turn this into its own dang business, sweetheart. And so um, it kind of shocked me because I'm like, no, I don't, this is, this is hectic enough. I don't need to add something else. Um, we didn't have any, um, we had, well, I guess I had both my kids. Bryce was uh, like four months old. My youngest was four months old when we started Bulldog. Um, and so uh, we went home. I started doing my research. Tyler started coming up with names. Um, I went back to that same CPA that I used to work for. And I said, okay, I'm starting a new business. Um, and he's like, okay, well, what do you want from it? I said, well, I'm going to be the owner of this one. Uh, Tyler will have his business. He owns the construction company and then I own the steel manufacturing business. So we um, signed the paperwork and started this business. <laughs> and then it, uh, Metal Solutions was kind of on cruise control. I mean, it was easy. Uh, we had a good system. I had three employees, myself and my husband included. So we had one salesman with us. And um, Bulldog requires a lot more manpower than Metal Solutions. Um, I have about 23 staff members here. Um, we make our own trim, make our own panels, and then loading and unloading trucks. I have delivery drivers and then for office staff and sales. So um, it it requires a lot more work. And you think um, you think you've started one business and it's done well and you have no issues and it won't be that big of a deal. You already know what you're doing, right? You think that. And so you think the second business is going to be a cakewalk and that is not the case. Just so you know, um, starting a new business is like raising a baby. I mean, 
they have their infancy stages. There's a lot of turnover. You don't know what roles you need. Um, you don't know how to adequately staff something. I didn't know a thing about inventory. And the first time, you know, you have to fill this 100 by 200 warehouse with inventory. You want to throw up how much money it costs, you know? So it was, it was just a big, big undertaking and a big change for us. Um, and it's funny cause it's now I'm in the groove of it. Uh, but I remember 2016, 2017, 2018 vividly. And I feel like we kind of got the grip of it. And then here comes COVID, you know, and, and how are we going to stay in business and how am I going to employ these people? And, and even that's in the rearview mirror for me here now, you know, but it, um, no matter how old or mature your business is, the, turmoil, the chaos, the challenges never stop. Um, they, they just present themselves in a different manner. I think it was Warren Buffett that said, you know, you don't, if you're fighting the same challenge every day, you're doing something wrong. You should, you should, you know, accomplish that challenge. And then the challenges do get bigger, but that means you're having a lot more growth, right? I mean, you shouldn't fight the same dragon every day or whatever that saying is, you know? Um, and I, I'm thankful. It's weird how it's humbling to face these challenges because I feel like it makes me into a more well-rounded person. It makes me into a more confident person. Um, I have friends that have younger businesses and they kind of, you know, I tried my dangness to pour into everyone. I care about business success. Um, and so if I have the opportunity to give someone a nugget of information or um, sit with them, show them a couple of things, maybe in QuickBooks or whatever accounting software they're using or show them my, you know, God sent planner or, you know, like whatever it is, I try to just give back to people because I know what it's like to start a business from nothing and then start another business and think you've got it made and you get presented with other things. So I try to help people not have the same problems that I once had, you know, you have insurance questions. Here's my insurance guy. You know, I just think it's my calling to be of service to others. So where do you where where do you start realizing that the challenges in this new business are not the same challenges as my old business? About one month in, um, we're stocking everything, um, and I had a shop guy that worked in like my shop manager, um, and he had worked in the oil field and. Um, he opened my eyes to inventory because I was like, this is going to be easy. You, you stock 10 of these. And then when you sell them, you order more. And that wasn't the case because, you know, we would, we were selling out in one day and I'm like, how, how is this happening? Like this costs like $800,000 and it's all gone in a week. What am I going to do? Um, 
because then, you know, you, you get small credit lines because you think, oh, I'm only going to spend $40,000 a month here. That's what I was doing when I was supplying for myself. Um, but the public, the public is demanding. <laughs> uh, so we actually have had to add more buildings. Um, we started with this 100 by 200. Um, we now have another shed outside. Um, we are working on um, having a, creating our own Perlin line um, because getting it from suppliers is a challenge right now. Right. Um, and so the challenges never end. I knew it was completely different from Metal Solutions about a month in. Um, and then it still is completely different. Some days I think, oh, Bulldog is the, is the creme de la creme. And then some days I'm like, I can never sell metal solutions because it keeps us going. Um, it just is, there's an ebb and a flow. I, I wish I could explain that better, but there's, you know, some days metal solutions is like pulling the train. And then some days Bulldog is like this He-Man world conqueror. Um, and so you have to be able to shift hats on the fly and nurture whichever business um, needs it at the time. And I'd like to say I did that amazingly every day, but the facts are I'm probably 60%, you know, uh, and I'll take it. I'll take 60% because I do have a great team that, that helps with the other 40%. So, so I'll take that. So how do you find this great team? Because like we just talked about a moment ago, you and I are in pretty rural areas. It's not like, you know, in a big city like Dallas where they're just, you know, growing on the vine. It's, you've got to really got to cultivate these people. So how are you getting them? Cultivate is the exact word. Um, I don't know what I did um, initially to get the people that I have. Um, I would say I have 23 staff members. I would say 18 of them have been with me from month three of opening this business. Um, so I have been very fortunate to have long-term employees. But um, one thing that I said earlier, I care about giving back. Um, and so we really worked hard the first two years of our business to set ourselves on the map as a, a community-minded business. I had a huge budget with community projects. Um, so we would, you know, donate money, donate uh, material for schools for their welding program. We have a Thanksgiving feast here. We um, built a greenhouse for a VA project through a leadership program I was involved in. I mean, we just really hammered down that we care about our community and we want community minded people working for us. And um, that that really helped because the people that I have out here right now, if I, if I had it on my phone, I'd walk her out there and you can see all my staff. I have, you know, my mother-in-law works for me. Um, a guy, him and his son um, work for me. Um, he's been a truck driver his whole life and was half retired. And I was like, see him at the grocery store all the time. I'm like, Carol, you want a job? No, I don't. Are you sure I could really use you? And one day he showed up and he's been working for me ever since for three years. You know, um, 
I have some employees that drive from Colorado City, which is 35 miles away, and then Sweetwater, which is 95 miles away. Um, they, I'd like to say it's me, but it's really not. It's, it's compassion. It's caring. Um, that's how you get good people and how you keep good people. What I do is I just say, hey, okay, here's how we're going to do this. Let's divvy this out. You handle this part. You handle this part. I'll take this part, and then we'll get it going. Um, there's plenty of days where my husband and I, you know, they're at lunch, some of our employees, and we'll help load trucks um, just to, you know, you, there's work environments where, oh, there's a truck. Get your butt outside. You've got work to do. I mean, that's disrespectful in my mind. I expect these people to get to work at 7:30 and leave at 5:30 every day and you know they they get a 30 or hour minute, you know, 30 or 60 minute lunch. So let them have that and enjoy that and you know I I pull my share of the weight. I think that's another um factor that helps um keep good people. They see you doing things, not just ruling and right. Right. They they appreciate that. They feel they feel um, accepted. And. I don't know. There's there's a danger, though, sometimes when you're having these types of pitching in, so to speak, where I mean, this is something that you and I get to hear a lot. Hinder them. And, yeah. And but you and I get to hear this a lot from Michael. Uh, for those I haven't think I don't know if I've said this or not, but the way Stormy and I know each other is for Business Accelerator. My audience has heard me talk about it many times. And one of the things that Michael spends a lot of time talking to us about is not doing the things that we should not be doing. Mm-hmm. So when you're pitching in, and I'm, I'm a lot like you, my dad, um, the story I, I like to tell is my dad uh, owned a printing company uh, about 45 minutes from here where I grew up. And my nephew, who now owns the business, when he was about four years old, was in the shop. My dad was sweeping the floor, and one of my father's employees was just sort of standing around. And as my dad is sweeping the floor, Jake goes, Granddaddy, why are you sweeping the floor? And my dad goes, there are no unimportant jobs. Mm. And I've always thought that. I thought that so much that it almost got to be a hindrance for me that I started doing so many things that were getting in the way of the things that only I could do. And this is the part that I'm sort of leading to is how do you show the way at the same time of saying, this is a temporary thing. I'm going to help out where I can, but this is really what drives value for my business and, and get that to your employees. How do you get them to understand that? Training. Um, and there's a difference in pitching in and doing their job too. Um, if I see that that's becoming an issue, like, um, I don't know, probably a month ago, I have a great example of that. I have a woman um, shop employee and she kind of, she has worked her way up. She did my trim machine. Now she is assistant shop manager. I mean, she's like, she learned how to weld. She learned how to drive an 18 wheeler. I mean, she has done great things and she's my newest employee. She's been with me for eight months um, anyway, I happened to look out my window the other day and I see her cutting beam and haven't used driving the forklift. I mean, she was doing it all. And then there were two guys sitting in the back and I'm like, 
oh, this isn't going to fly. I walk outside. I'm like, hey, is there a reason that Chelsea is um, doing this all by herself? Oh, well, we asked her if she needed help, and she said she didn't. I said, around here, we don't ask if someone needs help. We just do it. And they kind of looked at me like, oh, you're right. I mean, we have values that that are very important to us. And so one of my values is anticipate needs. Um, You do not, if I see you doing the dishes, I'm going to dry the dishes. If I, you know, I was brought up that way and I expect that out of my staff. Um, And so I just went out there and kind of checked them a little bit and they're right over there helping her. And you could see the relief off of her, but no one wants to ask for help, especially in, in business ownership, you know, as well as I do, delegating is one of the hardest things. Yes. Um, and yeah. so I've really tried to cultivate an environment to where I don't have to stand over someone's shoulder every second. Or um, if I see someone's doing something wrong, like occasionally I'll walk up front and get a check or you know, something we all share a big printer up at the front office. I can hear the girls on the phone and used to, if I could tell they were doing a bad job of it, I would just like run over there and put the phone on hold and let me save this for you. Um, And now I get my phone and I record a voice voice memo and they know on the spot when I'm doing that because I just sit right there on the counter. And um, as soon as they get off the phone, we say, okay, this is a teaching moment. What are you doing wrong? This is what you described this as. Here's what I would describe it as. Um, Can we replay that situation? And so we kind of do some role plays. Um, I'm trying to think what else really that I do to help them help themselves. Um, My shop or my office manager, I actually had to put a sign on her door Um, because she just is the doer. I love that about her. Um, If I give her a task, I know it's going to get done, but um, I had to put a sign in her door. I said, are you Tyler? No. Are you Stormy? No. Use your resources and handle your job. And so if her door's closed, like if she's doing deep work, they know, okay, I do, you know, because we have SOPs for everything, standard operating procedures, uh, down to how to scan a document and put it on your, I mean, we, we really broke it down a few years ago um, because I wanted to have a good training module for all my staff because it's really hard to say the same thing 20 times. If you're hiring a new employee, Um, we started with nine employees and now I have 23. So I'm, wasting a lot of breath. And I realized that at a session in business accelerator was to automate, you know, I always am trying to reinvent the wheel. And I thought that I needed to tell everyone straight from the horse's mouth, but you know, there's an amazing tool called loom or zoom, you know, and so I can still give them straight from the horse's mouth, but I can record it one time and put it in this little drive And when they get hired, they see my voice. They hear me being so passionate about my values. Um, The standard operating 
operating procedures. I make Loom videos on some of those, kind of explaining it. So um, automation has helped. Um, and then just every once in a while, you need to go out there and say, hey, you should be doing this, and I shouldn't have to be telling you. And so accountability and anticipating needs, those are my big um, moments that I try to always instruct on. Your, your team, it sounds like, and I'm, I don't know this for sure, but, I mean, you're definitely not old by any stretch. And it sounds like, though, a lot of your team is older than you. Is, would that be a fair assumption? Mm-hmm. I think uh, my office manager is the only person in my office that's younger than me. And she just turned 31 or 30. She just turned 30 and I am 31. Um, I'll be 32 next month though. Awesome. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone is at least in their forties here. So my question is how, how do you go about leading this team of all these people that are older than you? And, and how did you overcome this thought? Or was it, was it never really an issue for you? Uh, it was an issue when I was like 26 or 28. Um, that was only three I've been a business. Yeah, I I've been a business owner, though, since I was 18. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like one of my staff needs to probably come in here and describe that. I think it's a respect thing. I don't. I don't talk down to people. Um, I don't ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't do and don't already have a knowledge base on. Um, And then I'm trying to think about like putting myself in Melinda's shoes or Rito's shoes or, you know, like I'm trying to think about like how they would think that. Uh, I think it's confidence in myself. Um, they trust me to provide for their families, literally. I mean, that's why people get a job is to make money, to provide for their family and enjoyment and life and success, right? Um, it is my obligation to pave the way for that for them. Um, so if I'm reckless and irresponsible and not handling the things that I need to handle, then they don't have that trust in me. But I've never given them a reason to second guess or doubt me. So that may be the answer. Um, like I said, I think that they probably need to talk on that because I don't know how I don't second guess myself, but I don't know how, I don't know if they do. I would think that they don't because they've been with me for a long time and they, I can tell they trust me. Right. There's a lot There's a lot of my uh, audience that almost get thrust into a leadership role. They graduate from optometry school and the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, they're the doctor and you know, they spend a lot of their time talking to people that are significantly older than whether it's a a guest that's sitting in their chair or whether it's a team member that they're working with and to try and get them to understand, just like you were saying, it's not necessarily that person you're talking to, it's how you view yourself and how yeah. you relate to them. And mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with the way that that success gets rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there are people that are arrogant about things. Right. Um, I've had an arrogant shop manager before where I'm like, mm, you're not going to be a fit here because, you know, they are the whip crackers. 
and they they want to just sit there and bark orders and it doesn't work that way. You have to you have to know your value, but you also have to present it to others in a respectful way that's not overbearing or harsh or disrespectful. How do you allow your team to see you to see you sacrifice? I don't know. I think they see it every day. Um, I don't know. Um, because I think that has a lot to do also with why sometimes the leadership role gets into that. I think position. they see it on my face sometimes. You know? <laughs> uh, when a, this thing, I don't know. Um, I got a cancellation notice on an insurance policy and I'm like, did, did something get forgotten? What happened? You know, because I've been gone all week. Like, did something get missed? I called the insurance company this morning. They're like, oh no, it's renewal time. So you, you get this notice every time. And I'm like, well, I've never gotten one before, you know, well, it's because my team handles it. And if I, that's a good thing. I don't see these all the time, you know? So if I would have seen that a year ago, I probably would have freaked out and flipped out, you know, but they do, I think they see it on my face. I, I'm very, um, my office is in the back so I can get work done, but I am very involved in front and back things. Um, I have an open door policy except for when there's a sign on my door that says in a meeting or are you on fire? I have a sign that says that (laughs) because, (laughs) because sometimes, you know, um, it's easy to just go to someone and ask them the, the answer for the answer instead of figure it out. Um, and so they know I don't like to just give the answers. I'm going to ask them about three more questions till they find their own answer. Um, but I think that they see it on my face. And the thing about running a business with your spouse, there's no secrets. Um, we are we get up in the morning. I get to work before Tyler. I want to make that publicly. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he's a night owl and I am an early bird for sure. But, um, you know, they see us here at 7 a.m. And we're in meetings where Tyler and I disagree. And I'm like, I'm holding my ground and representing them. And he cares about the bottom line. And he thinks we need to staff five less people. And, you know, so they see the dynamic um, and how we still get up and go to lunch every day, you know, and then they also see I fight for them. Whereas Tyler is the, is the business guy and he cares about this person's doing 40% today. We don't need it at a third person. You know, this person just needs a stronger workload, you know, whereas I'm like, no, 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 it's just a slow day. We need the person we've been doing, you know, $25,000 an hour in sales and they can't keep up the phone. You know, we have four phone lines and they're all ringing and somebody's having to get put on hold. And, you know, I'm like, no, we, we have a need, you know? And so I think including myself in their meetings helps um, and including Tyler and I in our meetings helps um, because they need to know, um, it's okay to disagree with someone and still work together and live together and all the things. Um, I don't know if that explained sacrifice, but hopefully, 
Hopefully it did. Well, one thing it definitely talks about is conflict. And I think that's something that's really missing in our culture today is the right kind of conflict. Um, Mm -hmm. So many times conflict now is I'm right, you're wrong, as opposed to going into conflict with I'm defending my idea and needing you to prove me wrong, not I'm so right that I can't be, you know, faulted. And um, that's something I hope that my team has gotten out of the way we handle conflict. Of course, there has to be trust. And obviously you and your husband have trust to be able to have that conflict. Um, you know, so to, to make it okay to disagree with each other and be okay with it is, is a great gift that you're giving your team to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think well, that- it opens it up for sure for them to to speak their mind, because sometimes I mean, that happens. There's been days where Tyler and I have been checked and, oh, I it's so weird because you hate it. because You hate getting like that knife to your heart. But at the same time, like I leave there and I'm smiling from ear to ear because I'm like, thank you, God, for always keeping me right, like on the right path, because sometimes in business ownership, things just come at you and you're just making a decision, making a decision, making a decision, making a decision. And I like to think that 80% of the time, I always keep my people at the forefront of my mind, but there are moments where I am like, uh, this isn't going to affect them that much. Okay. This, 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 we'll move this person to here and, and done. And then an hour later, when I make the decision and send the email, somebody's in my office, you didn't consult me in this. This is my role. Why are you stepping on my toes? And I'm like, you're right, Stephen. I am sorry. You know, like, I mean that, what else can you say? You, you can't backtrack cause you done put your foot and, two socks in your mouth, you know, but you, you can say, I am sorry. I did handle that wrong. Tyler and I got to talking. He, he thinks this needs to happen. I think this needs to happen. And then, then we brainstorm. I mean, that's how it is. An argument turns into this like new idea. I mean, you should, you should be a fly on the wall in our, (laughs) in our dinner conversations. And so then it's like, Immediately, I got clarity um, on what I needed to do. So I emailed that employee at seven o'clock at night. And I'm like, this doesn't need to happen today. But by Monday, I want to have a plan. Send the email. Don't think anything. You better believe two employees got to work early that day and came and sat in my office and said, "Um, you didn't include us in the plan. We need to. This is our job to, to know the plan. We are the people that this directly involves. And you give this person this job, you're going to cut out 75% of what I do. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that, man. Well, I really wasn't thinking about you in that situation. I was thinking about this guy in that situation. And so, you know, it's good to have that. I don't know. I always go on a tangent about uh, computers and IT work. My brother's in IT work and he is amazing, but IT cannot teach you human skills of respect and handling conflict and great communication. And so in that moment, 
I just smile because I'm like, I really messed this up. Now I'm going to have to reevaluate these two people's job descriptions again. I'll include them this time. You know, they were in my office for three hours that that day. Um, but I leave and I'm so um, I'm so like giggly joyful that I love messing up. Because I love the opportunity to fix it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and what you've okay. also done is you've proven the fact that this conflict is the pursuit of the best idea. It's yes. not just because I think this is the way it should be. That's the way it's going to have to be. And mm-hmm. allowing your team to see you fail and not be a failure allows them the opportunity to do the same and hopefully mm-hmm. they keep that in mind when they do fail that I am a fa- I, I did fail but I'm not a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can My I can, son and I were talking about that yesterday. He said, "Mom, how how do you run these businesses?" He is fixing to be 8 and I'm like, "Well, honestly, son, I don't know. I, it just happens to you. Sometimes God gives you a dream in your heart and you just go with it." And he's like, "I'm going to do this one day." And I'm like, "Well, I hope you do." You know, like that's my goal. <laughs> the guy wants, I want to retire and I want you to take this job. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I care about that very much. I don't want to give my kids um, the crap show of a business. So every day I strive not really to sell my business, but to make sure it is the most streamlined that everybody wants it. So that way my kids don't have to the same way that I did, you know, figure everything out. I want to have it figured out when they're at the age to take this thing over, if that's still what they want to do. But, you know, he, um, he is, he's the one that went to inventor camp. Uh, we talked about that, I guess, before, before we really got started on this show, but, um, I, this is my first day at the office this week because my oldest son went to inventor camp in, uh, in Lubbock, um, that's where Texas Tech is, if anybody needs to know about that. Go Red Raiders. Um, but we, um, he like made a solar powered cricket. He um, shot a rubber duck to Chile. He, I mean, like the things that he learned, he made this, um, it was originally a wind powered car and they used fans and then they turned it into a motorized car. Um, yesterday or the day before, um, he took apart a microphone and learned like how it worked. I mean, he's just, I knew he needed this school because, um, he, he's wicked brilliant and not challenged enough. He has Santa Claus for, um, power tools and wood for Christmas and Santa brought them by the way. Um, and now he is told my husband the other day, um, he needs to learn to weld because you can build stronger things with steel than you can with wood. You can make bigger things. And like, that just makes me want to cry right now. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Some days you just have to go with the flow of what God wants, but obviously something's going right, you know, because he's got the passion and we're not forcing it down his throat. You know, I think that's the hardest part about being a parent and a business owner is you want everyone to like what they do um, and figure it out on their own that they like it. The next question, the, it's kind of in the same vein. And I'm, I think if I ask the question, you're going to probably tell me where I think we're going to lead to anyway. 
but what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Well, well, I'm already doing one thing right now. And and it's weird how even when you think, even when you know this is God's calling, this is the path. I, I mean, it. you get chills when you think about it. You still are a human and you still second guess yourself. But I know right now when I do second guess myself, I, I, I have a one-on-one coach um, through Business Accelerator. Her name is Renee. And she had me do an exercise called I Believe. Um, and so for 30 minutes, you just write these I believe statements. I believe this. I believe that. They start out kind of blah, like I believe in God. Um, I believe in, you know, uh, marriage. I believe in hard work. You know, you like you just start off like kind of superficial because you're trying to get your brain into the, mo- the moment of thinking about this. And then when you're done, you're like, I believe. And the statement is like this paragraph long thing. And uh, that um, was really eye opening for me because I sometimes I think a lot of times business owners have this. You don't know if you're successful. Um, I mean, you you see your home, you see the life you're building, but you're so in the moment. Sometimes that you don't, um, you don't sometimes acknowledge it. And those I believe statements help me ground myself to where I am, where I want to be, the things that I want to do. And it spawned me to hopefully one day be the governor of Texas. I'm putting this out into the world, right? Um, But I'm currently running for state senate. I announced that yesterday. I know, I know that's crazy because I've got two businesses and two young kids, but when God wants something for your life, you can't stop it. Number one, number two, you, it doesn't die. I mean, I've, I've felt that way. I wanted to be the governor of Texas since I was 13 years old. And that's why I was going to go to school and be an attorney. Cause I thought every good politician needed to be a lawyer. And, um, I was going to do that. And, um, uh, you know, really and truly the path that I've been on my, my childhood, uh, to meeting my husband, going to nursing school, which has nothing to do with business. Um, and then owning a construction business and a steel business. What woman owns a steel business? I bet you can name 20 in the entire United States, not many. Um, and so I, I, when you, when you do that, I believe exercise, and then you take that step back, you see, wow, God has known this plan for my life and he is giving me all these experiences at 31 years old to be able to do this job and do it successfully. I have a vast knowledge in a lot of things. You know, I live on a ranch and have cows. Uh, I've done a couple of leadership classes and I've learned about cotton farming. I don't know much about it, but I know enough. You know, I know cotton's a tropical plant. And if it were in the right environment, it'd be a tree. And I mean, I know things and I am passionate about so many things. Um, And God just gifted me this 
fire that I thought you have kids and you go to nursing school and it's like, it's not the path that I want, but I'm happy and I am happy. But then, then my businesses have kind of been on cruise control and, and I've been really honing in on to streamline my business so my kids can take it over one day. Right. And I've kind of worked myself out of a job and I'm talking to Renee one day and I'm like, Renee, my goals are kind of lame. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to play golf every day. And she's like, well, what, what's something you've always wanted to do? You know, I, it was weird how that just fell out of my mouth. Cause I hadn't thought about being the governor in probably since I was 15, you know, <laughs> at least since I was before I went to nursing school, you know? Um, and so I, it just fell out of my mouth and she was like, Hmm what has to be possible for that? I'm like, well, there's probably stepping stones. Like you can't just run for governor and not have your name out there. So I ran for my school board and I'm on my school board. And then, uh, you know, I've been talking to other politicians and talking to other things. I mean, this has been at least a year in the making. And uh, I announced yesterday and, and now I'm already terrified. But the funny thing is, is the minute I start feeling that, I get the giggles because, because of God, right? Like, because he's like, you're second guessing yourself and I've already paved this path for you. You just got to trust the process. So, so here we are. That's my, you can't stop it. If it is the path of life that you are supposed to be on. That's amazing. You know, and you're, your philosophy on being so civic minded. I mean, you're not just involved with the school board. She's also involved with a, a aviation museum there in big spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're involved with your community, your family. I mean, that's, you know, one of the things that was amazing to me also in the last three years, your business keeps like growing by 50% and you're spending 25% less time at work than you were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that is, is pretty amazing. How do you, how do you get all that stuff to work without working all the time? People <laughs> and automation. Um, so I, I hired a CFO um, who's also a business accelerator, accelerator with us. Yeah, I think um, she's mine too. Is it Shane? No, I'm using Danielle actually, but yeah, oh, yeah, so. well, Shane There's is mine. Um, yes, and um, that was always my role. I did HR and I did accounts payable, accounts receivable, um, and then I spreadsheet soothed me. So I would just make these random spreadsheets all the time, and by the time I was done in three days, I don't even know what answer I was looking for. Um, and so I was. Tech, Shane is in Texas, and we we have a Texas mastermind. Um, and so him and I were talking and I'm like, I need you. I need you in my life. You can help me. You understand this cash flow projection sheet that I've asked Jared about 20 times, you know, like let's, let's just have a conversation. So I sent him over my accounting stuff and he's like, you're doing great. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, I know I have a bleed. I have a bleed in this section, you know? And he's like, Oh, I see that. And so we kind of started researching and, and then I hired him because, because why not? So, um, people, um, he set me up for this thing called bill.com. I, 
I'm sorry, I'm making all these plugs, but it's great. Um, and so show at some point. Well, yeah, maybe they will. (laughs) So, um, so now like, I don't have to be here to pay my bills. The girls scan them in and, um, I'm actually getting to where my assistant, she will, I say, you know, you can pay $150,000 of bills in this for this business this week. And you can pay $80,000 in bills for this company this week. And so every Thursday she's gotten to where she processes the bills, but, um, I still have it on my phone. And if, if it's, I don't know, I get an email, Hey, something got missed. Like I thought this insurance thing was, you know, I'm, you better believe I'm searching bill.com. Like did somebody not scan something in? Did the email get missed? Like what happened? Um, and that wasn't the case. It was a normal occurrence, but I didn't know that. Um, but no, the, they just, the right people help. If I need to call somebody, um, they're up at the front, you know, I'm like, Hey, so-and-so is going to come. They need this, 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 this. I, I don't have to worry about it. They can handle it. They can talk to them the way I would talk to them. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another automation thing that I use. Um, I did switch to a PEO service because I was doing like our HR things. Um, Explain the PEO service to everybody. I don't know what PEO stands for, but um, they're basically like an HR company that's remote. So they do your HR, they do your payroll. Um, I also went with a company that has a safety um, training um, because I'm, I think I'm under the threshold barely of OSHA, but as much as we're growing, I want to make sure that I'm compliant, even though I don't have to like report to that. Um, and so I, I went with a company that, that helps in that they're Texas based. Um, and so anyway, um, we switched our payroll stuff. We, we have integrated them in the last two months um, because I knew doing this Senate stuff, I've set a hard limit of I am off Sundays I work Monday, Tuesday, and half a day Wednesday here. And then the other half of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the campaign. So I've kind of split my time up. And to do that, I process my payroll on Wednesdays. So I needed I needed help with that. And then employee evaluations right now or before our process was my office and shop manager would come in. Um, they would give me, you know, whatever evaluation it was. I would make my notes uh, and then we would send it back to them. So with Insperity, that that's the company that we're using. They, um, we have a better health insurance. We use Blue Cross Blue Shield. Now we're using United. They're probably equivalent, but better rates for my employees. Um, they get tons more benefits than I was able to offer them as a small business. And then I can do things remotely and, and then there's a whole team that backs me. So um, using other tools to leverage your growth, are that's crucial for me. Um, you are only one person and you there's only 24 hours in a day. So you can only do so much yourself. You have got to just accept the fact that you need help. And then... Then the fun part happens because then you get to develop these job descriptions of how this person can help you. And then when you hire that person, you tell them your goal and your passion and what you want from their role. And then it becomes this great big thing. And then you got to hire two more people because they they've turned their role into something bigger. Ah, Like I could I could talk about this all day because it is just 
it's just amazing. It's just amazing to take one little thing and then it turns into this, whatever this is, you know, and I, I feel like I'm, my husband and I always say like, we're, we're like right here and the, the mountain's still all the way up here. But when you look back, you're like, whoo, I have, I'm in the Himalayas right now. I mean, I'm doing big things, but you, you're still just hiking the mountain. You've got to pull the rope every day with your team, with your, you know, resources and software and all the things, but I can't wait to see what it's going to be like when I get to that point. And I don't know that I've found that point yet, but I know I'm not there. So I can't wait to look back in five years, 10 years, whatever that time is and just see. So do you think, so is this how you thought I was going to turn out? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think you can dream this big. I mean, I think maybe some people can, but I'm, I'm a very real logical person and um, you, you hope. I mean, I remember my first $10,000 check for completing this work. I had blisters on my hands. I had sliced my hand. This was probably like 2010, right? Uh, you know, helping my husband like load this stuff. You, I mean, just graduating nursing school, so my life is chaotic. I'm working 12-hour shifts at the hospital, and luckily we had block shifts, so I would be off a couple of days, and then I'd be off three days, and then two days and three days kind of thing. So we would be really productive on my days off. And then I got my very first laptop in 2010, <laughs> and I, you know, would do, I got QuickBooks, which was like this big deal back then, and I would do our invoicing when i had a low patient load or during my lunch break, you know, things like that. And um, looking back, I mean, we used, we used to use paper checks and now I print all my checks. I know those are silly things, but like, man, 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 man. Um, It's fun to look back and, and just see where you came from. Um, But it's also, it's humbling to do the same thing. I mean, I, I remember crying in the floor, you know, when, dang, I need to sell this job and this job to be able to pay for this material. And I mean, it was like a Rob Peter to pay Paul kind of thing back in the day. And then you make wise decisions financially. And now I own my home. I own my vehicles. I own this building and everything in it. I mean, oh, like I... (laughs) It is, it's terrifying how fast it goes. You think, you think it's been 20 years, but I started this business in 2016. You know, it's scary and amazing. And it's just like raising a kid, right? It's the most amazing and terrifying thing you will ever do in your life. It's worth it, but it's hard. It very much is, you know, and the funny part about all this stuff and, you know, you maybe have thought to yourself, wait wait a minute, Ted's an eye doctor. Why is he going to talk to me about my business to a whole bunch of other eye doctors? And the reason why is, and you probably noticed this as well, um, the very first business accelerator I ever went to, we're sitting around the room with, you know, 50 other people from all different types of businesses. I'm the only doctor in the whole place at that point. 
And they all talked about the same issues that I talk about every day. Our people and not having enough money to do the stuff I need to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had those exact same problems, I'm sure. And absolutely. And it's amazing how when we get a chance to step outside of our own career and look at other people's career and realize how similar it really is. Business uh, is business. Business is business. And as you have proven, if you're living in this life of abundance as opposed to being in this life of, of scarcity, it just keeps on coming no matter how yeah. often you look around. There's just more there's there. And you're not even having to, to create that more. It's just coming for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a perfect explanation of that. It is, um, I, I don't get me wrong. I think there's moments where I have a scarcity mindset. Um, I think that there's moments where you kind of get in your head and you're like, I'm just getting punched in the face all day. I mean, I think as a business owner in any, any realm, I mean, we all experience that, but it's the, do you do what you love? Do you impact people? Um, and I think that sometimes is underrated. Um, I build buildings. Okay. Like what kind of impact can I make? But you know, it dawned on me one day, I am literally physically building my community. I better build the best dang building you ever seen, because if I don't, I'm going to walk in. It's going to fall down on me because that's my luck. you know. So I have to do the best job I can do because my my kids are going to go to this school or go to this grocery store or work for this pizza place or, you know, I mean, whatever it is that I build or sell material to. Uh, we did a church awning and a rental store. And I mean, there's every, the people that I love, the people that I touch are physically standing in the structures that I built with my own two hands, not my own two hands, my team's own two hands. Right. Um, and so you have to care. You have to care about the impact. You are are physically helping people see. My kids both wear glasses. Um, my youngest son, um, if you go to my Facebook, there's a case study. Um, well, my business, Facebook Metal Solutions or Bulldog, on this lady, her name is Stacy Bart. I have built for her for probably seven years. We built her a laundromat, a barn dominium. We're adding on to her barn dominium. We built her a liquor store. We renovated another like drive-through beer store. I mean, like we've just been doing work for her for a long time. And uh, my older son has two different colored eyes. He has heterochromia. Mm -hmm. Which actually there was a holiday for that a couple of days ago in optometry. Yeah. It was like a, it was natural heterochromia day, believe it or not. I'm going to have to do something about that. I'll have to tell him about it and I'll save it on my phone for next time. Um, anyway, so my husband has the same thing. It's a little bit, his is just kind of like the top of his eyes, like brown mm-hmm. Brody's eyes diagonally brown and blue. Um, it's crazy. I'll just send you a picture. Um, but so he's been going to the eye doctor since he was a year old. Well, we've realized he had some vision problems, um, started wearing glasses when he was two and a half. Um, and then my younger son, Bryce, they're a year and a half apart. He was at his checkup with his regular doctor and thank God for these amazing tools. They can do a vision test at your pediatrician's office 
and they just print out this report and then you take it to the eye doctor. And that he wasn't even supposed to get it done until he was two years old. But I had said, you know, Brody wears glasses. Can we just go ahead and do this test on him early? And she was like, sure. And I didn't think anything of it, but Bryce was calling everyone mama, like mama, mama, mama. And I just thought, oh, he's just this little baby. Like he doesn't understand yet. You know, he just thinks everyone's mom. And uh, that lady, Stacy Barr, um, the day we got the test, I took Bryce to the eye doctor, which their eye doctor's name is Seymour. That's funny. Right? Um, I actually worked with a doctor at the hospital once, and his name was Dr. Healing. Like that was his name. And then Dr. Seymour, the eye doctor. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I get Bryce to go to the doctor. Um, he's like, wow. I mean, I think Bryce's vision is a plus 15 or a minus 15. I don't know. It's 15. I mean, it's really terrible. Right. And so we couldn't give him his full script because he was so young and he was like, his glasses are going to be thick. We need to do the headband thing. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so we go to the eye doctor and pick up his glasses and he was mad. He didn't want to wear them. I'm sure, I mean, everybody's standing around this 18-month-old little boy that's like, we want you to see, you know, we're all, there's 10 people trying to get these dang glasses on him. And Stacy walks up, he'd already known her. She started crying because that when we finally got the glasses on him, he like was just like looking around. Oh, it makes me want to cry right now. But like, I mean, impact, right? I mean, that's what we were talking about. And it's, you think you're just doing your job and you are, but you don't realize the, the waves that you're creating. And my kids still both wear glasses every day. And I probably spend a thousand dollars at the dang eye doctor every two months because Brody has some nerve damage and we have to wear patches and get new scripts and anyway, some things. And so, you know, but since that day, I mean, Stacy tells that story to everyone all the time that this is the eye doctor that you come to because he helps your kids see. She's like, I will never forget that day ever in my life. I've never seen such a miracle that a pair of glasses helped a little boy see his mother, like, I guess before, I, I don't know, you could probably speak into that, but, you know, you think, you think, you know, you, you put on your glasses and I see what you see without your glasses on. And so you, you know, you put on Bryce's glasses and you, you can't even make out your face. It's just a blur. And so you have it in your head that, oh my gosh, this is what he saw of me. And I don't know how factual that is or not, but my poor son, that's why he called everyone mama, because he couldn't even, we all had brown hair and he's seen a white blob with brown hair and that's what he thought. Uh, so that was a long story about impact, but it, it is, um, don't ever sell yourself short on the things that you do because one person given God's abilities on their life will make the biggest impact in their world. My world is different than your world, but I guarantee the the things that you're doing are 
especially with this podcast, right? Um, you're opening up everyone's eyes to seeing, wow, I'm not, I'm not siloed. Other people have the problems that I have. Other people have the success that I have. Other people are doing the things that I'm doing. And, and this girl's in the steel industry, you know? Uh, so the impact that you're making, whew, it's probably far bigger than the one that I'm making. Well, I think that's what we all want in life is to have impact, to have relevance. And uh, I think you're doing a wonderful job at that. I cannot wait till you get elected governor. So I get to actually go all the way to Texas to see an inauguration at, at this very famous political throne uh, that Texas has become throughout the years. Stormy, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, it was an amazing moment that we got to share. And uh, I can't wait to see you in September when we get to, to Nashville. That's right. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is awesome. This was fantastic. I hope I didn't ramble too much. Sometimes I do. The hard hard part for me... I'm like you. I love talking to, and this is actually a really good exercise for me is to, to do these because it forces me not to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, the, the guy that I shared this podcast with Chris Wolf always says, this is really hard for you, isn't it? He says, because I mean, you know, and he talks a lot more. On you want to just, <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and it's really good education for me because when I'm sitting in an exam room with a guest, the first thing I want to do is start answering their questions for them when I need to say, you know, here's the question. Now just, you know, and don't say anything. Just shut up and listen to what they have to say. And when they stop talking, that's your turn. But until they stop mm-hmm. talking, it's not your turn. Mm-hmm. And so this has really become a thing for me to, to get into that. So I'm, I'm tickled to do this. This is a lot of fun for me. I love doing this. I get like that with most things. It's, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know if it's something that I do subconsciously, but I, even when I'm having like the worst day yesterday was a really hard day for me. I set a goal that I wanted to raise $30,000. I'm, I am not a politician. I don't know what I need to raise. I don't know if that was a good goal or a hard goal because I just don't know. Right. You want to know how much money I raised yesterday? I'm going to guess. $5,020. I sat in my bathtub and I cried. And my husband's like, $5,000? You're crying about that? I'm like, babe, I wanted to have my whole campaign paid for in my first week. And I'm not going to get there. It's going to take me like two months. And he's like, and? I'm like, why are you so happy about this? He's like $5,000. You got people to give you $5,000 because, because something that you're passionate about. He's like, you need to be up front selling for bulldog. If you can make $5,000 in a day, like I'm going to add you to the payroll, you know, cause I don't get paid from that business, but that's the side note, you know, but I, I got in my feelings of like, I set this goal and I didn't hit it, but I also, I don't have anything to go off of either, you know, so $5,000 could be a good thing. But then I see Greg Abbott, who's our current governor, you know, he is, um, he raised 18 million, $18.7 million 
I'm like, how did he do that? How do I do that? I don't have the, I don't have the reach that this guy has apparently. I mean, how long did it take him to get that? That's a lot of money. Yeah, but just, when he was running for state house, he wasn't getting that kind of money. I know, I know, but but I'm ambitious and sometimes a sucker, right? Like <laughs> that's how I was yesterday. I I talked to my team last night. I'm like, I'm going to count today as a failure and they're like, absolutely not. Like you are the impact that you're making right now, like you, the the financial stuff isn't there yet, but this foundation is great. And so I'm like, okay. But then I'm crying in the bathtub and then I start giggling. Cause I'm like, I, you don't make anything easy on me. You want me to learn a million lessons in one day and here we go. And so today I'm all humped up again. 